Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What's up, guys? Today, we are going to be getting into free agent point guards the Mavs could target, whether it be with the minimum or some bigger guys via sign-and-trade or even some buyout candidates. Also, um, we'll get a tiny bit into the A.J. Lawson news at the start. He signed a two-way deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves, and a lot of Mavs fans on Twitter are very distraught about it. But before we do, here is a quick ad from our sponsor, Anchor. So, Jaron, about two days ago, I believe, um, was it Tuesday that the news broke? Uh, that AJ I think Lawson? it was Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday morning. Yeah, Tuesday afternoon. Um, AJ Lawson signing a two-way deal with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Um, what are your immediate thoughts about it? Yeah, so again, I feel like this is one that we thought was kind of a lock at that point. Uh, for and it's only a two way spot, I understand, so we shouldn't be making a huge deal of it. But then again, you look back at it and you say to yourself, it's only a two way spot. Like, why I don't like, I, don't, I just don't understand it. Uh, I mean, AJ Lawson looks like he could possibly with some development, cracks some rotational minutes and an NBA team. So why not take a chance on a guy like that? He showed he could work in a system. He showed he can play well uh, on both sides of the ball. Like, he was really the one bright spot. Take away Jane Hardy, of course. He was really the one bright spot on that team. So if we're planning on signing anybody from that team, uh, why not let it be A.J. Lawson? Like, I, I just don't really understand it. Um I mean, congratulations to him. He's in the NBA, I think, for the first time in his career. I think he was, like, um, kind of with the – yeah, he's been in the G League, but I don't know if he's actually even seen him in it. So, yeah. I don't even know first if he's or second like time. He might, he might have played a little bit with the Hawks. So, yeah, I definitely share those same sentiments in regards to A.J. Lawson signing. Now, a lot of Mavs fans on Twitter, you know, are saying, hey, it's not a big deal. It's only a two-way spot. Like – how much are we going to actually get distraught over this, right? And I do get that angle as well because, you know, at the end of the day, like, I'm not going to sit here and, you know, just completely be, like, head over heels for A.J. Lawson and the fact that he didn't sign is just going to keep me up at night. But there is, like, credence to the fact that, you know, in my opinion, uh, you know, the Mavs making moves around the fringes such as, like, not signing Drogic, now, we don't know the reason for any of these things, but, you know, and they've done this a couple off seasons in a row when we, you know, feel like they have like real easy, like simplistic moves to do and they kind of just butt out, butt out on it and they don't do it. So, yeah, where I kind of stand is that, you know, how many of these moves on the fringes, you know, albeit very small moves, are you going to miss out on before it ends up costing you to an extent? I mean, we've seen it with the Mavs not. Um, giving Cameron Payne any sort of contract or a camp invite and him being a, ro a rotational player in the finals, like, and after averaging like 30 points on their summer league team. And that's not to say that, you know, you're going to just have an eye for every single dude that ends up popping up, you know, it's summer league at the end of the day, but you know, how many of these moves in the, on the fringes are they going to miss out on, you know, like, cause you know, at the end of the day, it's a two way spot, even if they want to do something via trade and they didn't want to give them that last roster spot. Like, I still find it just really odd that they couldn't 
you know, give him a camp invite or a two-way spot, or maybe they did offer him a camp invite, but they wouldn't give him the two-way deal. They're like, hey, you can come into camp and battle it out with Bingham and these other guys. So I, I don't know. I just that's kind of what like, I want. Like for me, it's just like take a chance. Like yeah, I feel like we took a chance with Jane Hardy. Mm-hmm. Why not take a swing for this guy? Like, and it's at the end of the day, it's only a two-way spot. If it doesn't work out, yeah, we saw it I, last year. I our don't even guys. Yeah, what, our two-way guys didn't even make it half the season. Yeah, like, half the it's season. Not a big deal. Like, no, it's really not. I just don't understand it. Like, yeah. I I understand it that, I mean, it's only a two-way spot, so we shouldn't be mad or anything. And I'm not saying I'm mad. It's just at the end of the day, it's only a two-way spot. Why not? Maybe, maybe they did offer him. Maybe there's some sort of reason that we don't know that A.J. Lawson chose Minnesota over Dallas, uh, like family or something like that. Yeah. We're not sure. But if it, if it did come down to basketball, I don't understand it. And it definitely ain't for the weather, I can tell you that much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But anyways, yeah, that's kind of where I stand on it. Just a weird sort of deal. But, uh, hey, we, we move past it, as we do with most mouse things. Anyways. We just have to. So, yeah, now we'll be getting into free agent point guards the Mavericks could get. I guess we'll start with guys the Mavericks could get on the minimum. And then I really only have – I have two guys penciled in for, um, well, sign-and-trade slash trades that are pretty po- uh, prominent because, you know um, – well, actually, we'll just do sign-and-trades because, you know, we we'll get into, you know – Guys, the Mavs could target. You know, we'll probably do a whole profile on Kobe White, but you know, he is under contract for next year. He's going to be an expiring, so won't necessarily do him. But um, yeah, we'll just do guys on the minimum or via sign trade. That guys either are a free agent in some capacity. Okay. Okay. So first name on the list is Eric Bloodsoe. He's currently under contract, or no, he was under contract with Portland this last season after getting traded at the deadline. Um, what are your thoughts on Bloodsoe on the minimum with the Mavericks? Uh, I mean, I think it's a swing to take him on the minimum. I don't know if he'd settle for that. I, However, I would like him for the mm-hmm. minimum. Uh, I guess my guy... only counter to that is, like, nobody really has money at this point in free agency, and if he wants to join a contender, like – He's got to yeah. come on the minimum. Yeah. And he's, like he's, something like that. I mean, he, he'd get the, I, I think he's definitely played long enough to get like the full veteran minimum. So he'd be making like that 2.9 mark, which Drog is just making. He wouldn't be making like the 1.8, 1.9 million or whatever it is. Yeah. So he'll be, he's 32 right now. He'll be, I think, close to 33 once the season starts. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, like the vet man is only a year. Yeah. Um, so. I don't know. Like, there's there's one key piece that we're missing on this team, and it's that secondary ball handler that could come off the bench. Mm-hmm. And now, the, how well is he entering yeah. his? Mm-hmm. I think entering his thirteenth year in the league. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, like, he's a guy. He's a veteran, first off. Yeah. And that bench looks semi young in terms of playing. I like, yeah, Frank Nielakina. Yeah, even though we like will that. push back on the fact that the Mavs have a young team as they will try to sell it to the fans. No, they, yeah, they'll try and sell it. Yeah. Um, I, It wouldn't hurt, though. Like, yeah, I, I like Eric I Bledsoe for that value. Um, Bledsoe's not necessarily been the best shooter throughout his career, and that's kind of where his – um, you know, it's kind of where he's been knocked out throughout his career to an extent. But, 
You know, he's only, I think, 6'1", 6'2", but he's a really active defender at that size. And he does possess some playmaking ability. He's really – he's not – he's a pretty, you know, quick and athletic dude, especially back in his younger days. Let's see. He – um. so, yeah, looking at his three-point percentage here, he is not – you know, he's kind of always teetered around that 30 to – 35% mark, um, you know, when he was um, drafted into the league um, yeah. when he was with the Clippers. Um, he had one season where he shot like 39%, but inevitably that was like in 2012. I don't think that was on near as high volume um, back then, just given the state of the league. Um, ever since 2014 with Phoenix, he has – Shot in between 30 to 34.5% from three, basically. So, yeah, his, you know, he's, and he's been a good free throw shooter. You know, he does have ability to create his own shot to an extent. You know, how much is that going to carry over now that he's getting a little older? And, you know, his assist numbers have always been anywhere from about four to six assists, you know, especially back when he was starting. They were pretty high around that six marker. So, See, yeah. but how, sorry, how many minutes did he play? Or do you know this? How many minutes yeah. did he play? And like, uh, I guess LA was really the last team he played for. So, how many minutes did he play in LA? All right, for the Clippers. Well, Clippers, when the Clippers, I mean, that's where he started his career off. And he well, was, he also had that kind of contract. What do you say? He had that one year contract as of recently. And then he signed or got traded to the Blazers or something. I think he got traded to the yeah, Blazers. So, he was with, the, he was on the Pelicans after because he was in the Drew Holiday trade. So, he's on the Pelicans. And then this past oh, season, that's was, right. yeah. this okay. past season he was with the Blazers. He didn't get traded at the deadline. That's my mistake. I don't know why I thought that. Well, how many how many minutes did he play? Yeah, yeah. So he's playing twenty five point one nine minutes a game yeah. on that young Blazers team, probably kind of like mentoring Anthony Simons while Lillard was out. So here's my thing. I think, I think he would give if he signed on that vetman for us. Of course, I think he would give. All we need is just a solid fifteen minutes. I feel like. Yeah, like 15, 20 minutes. Well, especially given the say of the roster right now, I think he'd probably play around 20 minutes. But if the Mavs made another move to get a ball handler via trade, then, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see him taking a very much reduced role. But he only shot 31.3% on three last year. So that's just, you know, and especially early in his year, his career, he, all, he did have high turnover numbers. So, you know, he's a decent playmaker and shot creator and a solid defender for his height. So I would not hate him. He brings a lot of veteran experience to the table. But, you know, there are some other guys on this list I might take over him. So next um, we will be getting into Dennis Schroeder. Um, Dennis last year, he played for the Houston Rockets after having been on that Lakers team in um, 2020. Um, so what are your thoughts on Schroeder as the secondary ball handler off the bench for the Mavericks? He shot 34% on three last year, um, averaged 4.6 turnovers. I mean, 4.6 assists a game um, and 13.5 points a game. Do you think um, Schroeder is sort of the fixture for that minimum spot off the bench for the Mavericks? Um, You know, if we could get him for the minimum, again, that would be another value pick. 
Yeah, he's a guy. I, mean, I, I think he like... could definitely end up going for that just because the market's fluctuated to where like he doesn't. I don't know how many other options he has. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I don't mind it necessarily. I'm not a big shooter fan myself. Yeah. Um, I don't really know what all he brings to the table. I'm gonna be honest. Um, but... he's in a weird sort of like recession in terms of his play the last couple of years. I mean, just here in the 2018-2019 season, he was averaging 18.9 points a game, and I believe one of those years wasn't he a six man of the year with OKC. Uh, I feel like he was a candidate. I don't think he really. Yeah, he, he was, was at least a candidate, you know. Yeah, that was the Jordan, not Jordan Clarkson. Was that the, uh, it was the um, the Clippers one where they had like two guys in the top three. Oh, Trez and Lou Will. Yeah, that could have been that year. I I, I need to look it up for specific specifics. Um, but. Schroeder is an intriguing guy to me because, I mean, he has had seasons in his career where he's, you know, scored 18, 19, almost 20 points a game. And, you know, he's he's he was a steady distributor for that Atlanta team back in the day. But he just has this, like, I don't really know. He He's very public on, like, Twitter and stuff, makes a lot of comments. And, you know, a lot of the reason that he hasn't really stuck around is because, you know, he had that weird thing where, First of all, he turned down that massive contract extension from, uh, I believe it was the Lakers. Yeah, I think it was the Lakers. Enter free agency. And then um, ended up signing. Obviously ended up signing with the Celtics. Yeah. And, you know, they ship him off to Houston. So I think he's kind of just sought a bigger role. And he's definitely like, a, you know, he wants the ball in his hands. And I I have nothing against the guy, but he just kind of seems like at this point in his career, he has a different agenda in terms of what he wants versus what, like, the team needs from him. And, you know, his shooting did recede a little last year. He only shot about 34% from three. Um, He's never been the best three-point shooter except for one year in that 2018-19 season with OKC where he shot 38.5% from three. So, yeah, for him, I feel like it's just a matter of accepting a role. And he's always been a little weird in terms of his comments in the public sphere. So I don't know if I'd necessarily be head over heels for his signing, but at the end of the day, he's 28, about to be about to be 29. He does bring veteran experience. Um, you know, and that's you got the German ties, obviously, with Kleber and Dirk. So I would uh I'd be intrigued. And you know, he's not. I think it would be a good value play. I just don't know, like, fit-wise how it would be. But, you know, he does have another ball handler off the bench that can score. So, I'd be interested. Right you know, he just doesn't play defense, like, whatsoever. But that's yeah, yeah. neither here nor there. So, that'd be interesting to me. But, um, yeah, we'll have to see how it pans out. I still may kind of – I guess with the 15th roster spot, you know, given the Mavs do a trade, I'd rather take a flyer here on some of the younger guys. But that's just me. Okay, so next we will be getting into Avery Bradley. He's 31. He'll be 32 here a little soon. Um, actually, a little younger than I thought. I was for some reason thinking he was going to be about 33, 34. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, and, you know, he's a free agent after, I, you know, he had that – didn't he have that season-ending injury with the Lakers last year? I think I so. Or, yeah. no, I think it was like two years ago. 
Okay, let me pull up his splits here. So, yeah. Um, let's see, I swear he had an injury at some point. Was it with Houston? He only played 27 games. He was technically – he was on the – I mean, so he was, you know, he was on the Lakers active roster this year and he was given the minutes. Um, you know, he, he only played about 65 games, well, 62 games, but it's really not that bad in my opinion. Um, it's decent for a guy his age, obviously. Um, Avery Bradley is not the like three, in, you know, I think back in his younger days, he was like very comparable to like how Malcolm Brogdon is now. You know, he's sort of like this decent, you know, this like really good three point shooter and a guy who can lock down point guards, especially like back when he played for Boston. Yeah. At one point he averaged 16 a game for the Celtics in 2016 season. But, you know, now I've seen, you know, I just, you know, he's definitely took a role reduction. He doesn't have that sort of nothing to get to the rim as easy, easily as he once could. But, you know, he's never really been necessarily a playmaker. But, you know, I think, you know, you know, if he's your backup point guard off the bench, I wouldn't put it past him that you can come over and defend some guys. No, he's he's been a good defender throughout his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this is a guy I really like. He puts good numbers on the stats. He won't put eye-popping numbers. Uh, but just in terms of percentages, like, he's not going to have an yeah. abysmal shooting night. because he No, yeah, he shot limited. 39% from three last year and 89% yeah. from the line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, like that's a guy. I mean, he's smart. Um, mm-hmm. He's never been a high turnover guy. He, he's just not really the playmaker. That if, exactly. you, if you're really pining for a playmaker, I wouldn't come in yeah. for this spot, which I do understand. But if the Mavs were to be able to, you know, swing a trade for a playmaker and they bring this guy in to defend point guards and give veteran leadership, then I'd be completely down for it. I, I concur with that. Yeah. I just think my one pushback on him is that, like, he's not going to come in and run the offense off the bench. He's just going to be another cog in terms of the Mavs defense, and he'll be able to spot up shoot. But he's not going to really – yeah. He, he's just, like, a good piece that – I mean, I don't I don't know if he would play necessarily every game. Um, mm-hmm. I guess I would call it the bench mob. Guys that you don't right. know really, like where are gonna fit. I feel like he would go in there, but he yeah, would like give if you... you're if you need more defense off the bench and Tim is just laying an absolute egg out there, like you bring in Avery Bradley, <laughs> fill some minutes out, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like he's a good substitute of that. Right. So yeah, that's kind of where we stand on him. Next, and we have done a podcast regarding this man right here, but we'll you know go even a little more in depth than him here. Colin Sexton, only about 23 and a half years old. Um, he's a restricted free agent. Obviously, the Mavs would have to swing a sign and trade for him. We already discussed that. Um, you know, we discussed what potential packages may be in like a three team sign trade like that. It's really hard to like iron those things out, like exactly what the trade would be. But, you know, we discussed some guys that would be on the move potentially for the Mavericks if Colin Sexton was swung for. Um, you know, shorter guy. I think he's only six foot six one. Um, you know, he first three seasons of his, of his career until last year, where he only played eleven games due to having a season and ending injury. 
Um, he has never shot below 37% from three. Um, rookie season and his um the year before last, he actually shot 38 and 40% from three, respectively. Always been a really solid free throw shooter, 80s to mid-80s. Um, you know, his he's struggled a little bit in the playmaking department, but as the primary ball handler for Cleveland before Garland really caught on that 2020-2021 um, season, he averaged 24.3 points per game. Now, given they weren't the best team back then, but, you know, he did that and getting about 4.3 assists per game. Um, what were your thoughts beyond if the Mavericks were able to swing a sign and trade for Colin Sexton? So I don't know necessarily how the contract would look. I feel like it would probably be pretty bigger. I feel like uh, it'd be somewhere of... between 15 and 20 million. I, I agree. Yeah. I agree with that. That's what I was thinking. Year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a lot of money, but yeah. for him, and I don't, I don't know, like he, he's one of those guys that could fill that value. But I mean, it would be, not. I feel like it would definitely be less than that 26 figure that Brunson's getting a year. Uh, it would for sure be less. And, and he'd you know, be he's filling in that same kind of role. So. Yeah. I mean, he's almost two years younger than Brunson. He, so I feel like from that standpoint, he does. He was in that Luca draft. So same draft class, but you know, he he's younger, obviously. He's a little younger. I think he's he really has, good. Defense. Yeah. I mean, he gives effort defense. That's what I like. Yeah. About him. I mean, for a guy that size, he puts in a ton of effort to, you know, you know, it's hard for him and his dimensions to be an above average defender necessarily. Yeah. But the fact that he's able to, you know, be at least slightly above average and not be a black hole on defense at his size, you know, he'll pick up guys full court, do things of that nature. It's really impressive to me. And I mean, he's always been denoted by his peers as like a huge gym rat as a he's a really hardworking guy. Um, you know, I think he could really blossom in the math system as a secondary ball handler, just continue to develop. I mean, he didn't play it all last year for the most part. Um, I'd be really intrigued. I mean, I think the smoke on the Colin Sexton sign and trade has definitely settled a little bit since, you know, those rumors were coming out at the beginning of free agency. But if, you know, maybe if the Mavericks still have something up there, up their sleeve with Cleveland, I would not put it past it. Though. I mean, I would love this guy. I mean, I definitely think he would start. I think that at that point you pushed Dinwiddie down to the bench, um, you know, or you may start Dinwiddie, but even so, I think Colin Sexton, you know, even if he comes off the bench, has an opportunity to showcase his skill set to, you know, elevate himself into that starting role. I think it's Agreed. a really good guy to take a chance on, you know, He's actually he has a really good field goal percentage, which actually kind of surprises me given he's a smaller guard. He's first three seasons of his career for his rookie season, he shot 43% from the field. And then the last two years before his injury, he shot 47 and 47 and a half percent from the field, which is, I mean, Jalen Brunson was shooting what, like about 50, and he was honestly oh. probably he had what one of the highest field goal percentages for any guard in the league. So I was really surprised by that. He's you know, I feel like he kind of gets labeled as inefficient sometimes for whatever reason. I mean, he's had to play on some, you know, terrible Cavs teams. But, I mean, he was putting up almost all-star numbers before he got hurt um, in the 2020-2021 season. Yeah. So, like you said, like, if we move, like, and that – I personally think if we got Colin Sexton, that would move Spencer Dinwiddie to the bench. Eventually, um, even if not to start, you know. Yeah, I think eventually. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, that that alone I think makes us a better team than we were last year. 
I don't know if we could go as far as the Western Conference Finals. I think it might take us. Yeah, just for the fact bit. that the West is deeper, but I really don't think Colin Sexton is a huge regression from Brunson. I think Colin Sexton's definitely not the playmaker that Brunson is, and I don't think he can um, – I don't feel like he creates the same kind of space that Brunson does. Um, but efficiency-wise, I mean, he doesn't – it doesn't take too much – of a hit and i mean he's definitely more explosive and has some different kind of ways to get to the rim and to swing passes the guy than brunson did so definitely a different look and if he's able to develop and hone in on some parts of his game a little bit i mean this guy you know you're looking at a guy still has all-star potential at some point in his career yeah he's young he's 22 right he's 23 and a half so okay yeah he'll um he won't be 24 till I believe around November, December, something, or maybe even like, yeah, you know, he's, I mean, he'll be 23 at the start of the season. So, yeah, like, I'm in on it. Yeah. I mean, really, depending on what the Mavericks gave up, I mean, I don't know what Cleveland would be willing to take back right now. Um, what's really intriguing to me is, I mean, like, especially since Aiton's off the board, this is like really the only like big restricted free agent whatsoever that still has yet to like, sign or anything and we haven't seen any rumors from the Cavs side really in regards to bringing him back or I mean you know I understand that he was out all of last year but I'm just really intrigued to see we're 21 days into free agency and nothing's happened with this guy has the market dwindled down to the point where he actually you know may have to explore sign and trade route and sign an offer sheet from I mean another team you know but I don't know if you know obviously you couldn't sign an offer sheet with the Mavericks because they can't sign them out right into their cap space. Yeah. So I think you know they'd have to Cleveland would have to propose a sign and trade to Dallas and then he'd have to agree to it. But you know, that could still be something that works itself out. I just don't know what their interest is after bringing in Rubio, after having Garland and Levert and uh bringing him back after you know Garland took their that kind of step into a one A player last year. So you know, he'd be my dream guy right here. Yeah, but, he's, he's like the number one guy that yeah. at this point in the offseason, I think yeah. that you get. Mm-hmm. I, I concur. Um, run through some guys real quick. Uh, what would your thoughts be on Faku Composu um, as the secondary kind of ball handler off the bench? Uh, you know, personally, I'm not a huge fan. I wouldn't want him at that secondary. I'd be comfortable. Yeah, with and he like would be getting third. the minimum, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would be getting the minimum. Yeah, I, like like I said, I'd be comfortable getting him as a third, a guy that doesn't play a whole lot. Yeah, uh, but you know, I mean, at this point, it's like I'm not a huge Composo fan. I mm-hmm. I really think that he kind of played himself off in Denver, yeah. uh, because he was giving them good minutes and yeah, that bubble year I think it was. Uh, you know, I just think he's, in my opinion, just too much of a black hole on defense. His shooting for his size, he's like I feel like he's too much of an inconsistent shooter. Agreed. Um, he's he's not what JJ Brea was at his size. JJ was a lot better in his heyday, in my opinion. He could. What do you mean? He's JJ Brea Jr. I don't know. What you're <laughs> no, about. he's just JJ had a. He could create his own offense off the bench. I think Compazzo is basically kind of really just a really good distributor, but you know he'll hit the occasional three. But outside of that, he's not creating his own offense. He's getting bodied by a ton of dudes on defense. Um. Yeah, no, he's only 31. That's a little younger yeah. than I thought he was, I guess. But, um, I mean, if the Mavericks were to sign, do some, like, sort of two-for-one 
sign and trade, get back another like really good ball handler and um and a wing, but they have an open roster spot, like sure, but you know, he's not he's not my first option at all. If the guy's on this list, I'd take Avery Bradley over him. I'd probably take Schroeder over him, and I'd definitely take Bledsoe over him. Yeah, there's multiple names that we've already listed yeah. that I would yeah. take over him. Next, uh, real quick, we got Frank Jackson. Last year, he was on the Pistons after playing for the Pelicans for a few years. Um, this is a guy that has shown flashes. You know, he's never been a high minutes guy. You know, most minutes he got a game was last year with Detroit, averaging almost 22 minutes a game. Um, but he had 10.5 points per game last year. And, you know, he's never been that sort of distributor type dude, but he's always been a – he's a shot maker. Um, and he came in, and I remember one year um, towards, like, the end of, like, Dirk's career, I think it was, like, 27, 2018, like, he, like, went off against the Mavericks, like, well, like, we were all trying to, like, get Dirk to, like, hit some, like, mark. Oh, and yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's just like <laughs> – but he's a guy who um, – you know, Frank Jackson shot 40% from three in his tw- in the 2020-2021 uh, season f- from Detroit. So he's definitely – he's a shot creator. He's never averaged above, like, an assist and a half a game, even though I'm like – no, he has never averaged really over an assist. You know, his highest assist was his second year in the league where he had 1.13 assists per game. So this is a guy who's going to come in and, you know, provide scoring off the bench. You know, he can – He's he can shot create to an extent. He's about six four. He's rangy. Um, I wouldn't say he's necessarily like the best defender in the world, but I mean, he is an average defender. He's probably a little better than Tim Hardaway Jr. Um, you know, he kind of plays more as a two than a one to an extent. Yeah, that's what he's gonna he be spotting up. You know, he'll take some pull ups in the mid range area, do his best to get to the rim. But from what I've seen out of this dude, you know, he is only twenty four. So I don't think I would hate him if the Mavericks were to make another move, but the Mavs just signed Frank Jackson outright as their only move and, you know, push him as the secondary ball handler off the bench. He does not provide the playmaking they need uh, whatsoever. So I don't know, like, how head over heels I would be for that, but, you know, I wouldn't hate taking a swing on him if they can find some other options. Yeah, like – He's, he's the kind of guy uh, definitely coming off the bench and necessarily in this often or in, on this team, I guess, I don't think he plays every game. I, I think he has a definitely a way reduced role than he did in Detroit. Yeah. Um, but he's kind of a microwave guy. Uh, yeah, he he'll come in, he'll give you points. Like if you need points on and scoring off the bench, yeah. he'll give you I've that. seen games where the Mavericks have been playing again against him and, he catches heat from three. Like, he'll knock out like three or four in a row. So, you know, that's just definitely the type of role he plays. Um, we're going to get into a couple more dudes in depth. Um, and then we'll all just go ahead. There's some more, like, minute guys on here that we can kind of just run through real quick, and you can tell me if you take them or not. Does that sound like a deal? Yeah, that's not – yeah. Okay, cool. Okay, so the next guy we'll be getting into is Dwayne Washington, Jr., now, this is one of the guys that we can call the Mavs All-Stars, as Lockdown Mavs says. Uh, says the guys who play, like, particularly really good against the Mavs. I believe last year was his rookie season. I'd never really heard about this dude, but. Yeah, I think he, he yeah, one year. He cracked the Indiana rotation and was a guard off the bench, and he had, like, 22 against the Mavs in one game. So, this guy's a bigger guy. He's about 6'3", 6'4". 
Um, you know, I did some a little research on this guy, just kind of figure out where he how he plays. He's a good shooter and he creates space for himself. And um, you know, he's definitely like that sort of scoring type of guard that you would need off the bench. He can create offense for him, himself to an extent. He averaged 9.85 points per game last year in only 20 minutes um, with Indiana, but he's not really the playmaker the Mavs would be looking for at this spot. And he's not the defender, especially at his frame. You'd want to think that he could actually defend point guards, but, you know, he hasn't ever really shown, I guess, the um, – he's never really shown too big of an impact on that. And, I mean, he doesn't like – it's not that he doesn't really try. I guess he just kind of um, – he just, you know, doesn't have that extra, you know, pep in his step to – um, be able to defend to defend like shooting guards, for instance. He can defend point guards that are you know his size a little better, but he's not you know he's about an average defender. Yeah, but this would be a guy that you know the Mavericks would take a swing on. Say, hey, can you buy into our defensive system? He's only twenty two, and you know, can you learn how to play make a little more? You know, we really like your shot creation ability. You know, can, you know he only played forty eight games for Indiana. You know, we've only seen forty eight games of this guy in the NBA. But this would be the guy, a guy, you know, he's the youngest guy on this list that the Mavs would be taking a swing on with that minimum spot. Um, you know, I don't think I'm, like, losing sleep, like, doing an emergency pod if the Mavericks, you know, sign this guy to the 15th roster spot. But I don't think I would hate it. What about you? Yeah, so I, I like it. Like, uh, again, 22 years old, uh, only had one year in the league. If we could get him on that 15th roster spot, I don't know how money works because, again, he's only been in the – I mean, it, w- it would just be a regular veteran minimum, I guess. Okay, yeah. yeah. Or I, don't, I don't know. There might be re- – I think there's a reduced minimum because you have to, like, get the, the – you know, the regular min- veteran minimum, you have to have, like, at least, like, two, three years of experience. So, I mean, this is a guy for a two-way candidate as well for the Mavericks. Yeah, and he mm-hmm. gives you production. I mean, he played 48 games in Indiana, mm-hmm. uh, gave 20 minutes a game, and a lone shot just under 10 points a game. Like, I like the pick. Again, like you said, he's just uh, average defense. Um, but, again, he's not going to be playing big minutes here. Probably won't play every game. Um, like, look, I like it. I personally like it. Yeah, I'd like taking a swing on this guy. But, you know, you know, we have seen very limited amount of him in the NBA here. So, we'll just kind of see it. We'd have to see how he pans out. But it'd be interesting to me. All right, next, um, let's see. Is there any guys else on this list that I think warrant a whole little profile? Here, I guess we'll do Alfred Payton. Okay, this will be the last guy. He was with Phoenix last year, you know, as a third guard off the bench. This is a guy, um, we were looking at his shooting splits yesterday, and, I mean, I knew he was a bad shooter, but I did not know, like, how atrocious these were. Um <laughs> He has never shot above 32.6% from three. He did that twice in his career, but that was a little um, earlier in his career in the 2015-16 season, 2017-18 season. For the most part, Alfred Payton has teetered around the high 20s in free throw percentage. I mean, in a three-point percentage. And last year, um, in 52 games, he only shot 37.5% on free throws. This is a guy who was a lottery pick at one time, 10th pick in the draft. Um showed really good promise coming out of college, you know, as this dude who's like, oh, this guy could average a triple-double if everything goes together well. He's always been, I mean, a really dynamic guard in the sense that he's a good playmaker. He's always averaged anywhere from about six, almost eight assists until he's took a reduced role 
these last two years with New York and Phoenix. Um, and, you know, he's a guy who can get to the rim. I mean, solid finisher. I mean, has really all the makings of sort of a great point guard. Um, you know, he's had seasons where he's averaged about four to five rebounds a game. He's a bigger guard. He can. He's a really good defender at that guard spot. I believe he's about 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, you know, lengthy, active hands. You know, I guess the just knock on him is he's never been able to shoot. And, you know, given he's 28 right now, um, just has never been able to shoot. Like, I wouldn't hate taking a, the, um, a chance on him with the minimum for that 15th spot. Yeah. But, you know, I just don't know if he has more any more development really in play. So, he's kind of like a replica of Frank Nitlikina, but he offers more playmaking than Frank is. But he's not near the shooter that Frank is. So, I don't know. I – I, you know, I, I'm not going to knock having another guy who can come and defend ones and twos really good. But I just think if he starts trying to do too much, because, I mean, in the current state of the roster, he would be getting probably about 20 minutes a game, which I think might be a little too much for his for guys' yeah. elk. Because, you know, the Mavs don't have any other playmakers. But, you know, if the Mavs are able to sign it, swing a trade or something, they want to bring this guy in to, you know, play that. You know, he reminds me a lot of DeLon Wright, except even a worse shooter but maybe a better defender. I wouldn't hate it, but I don't know. He's definitely not my first guy on this list. What about you? No, like he's not my first, um, not my last necessarily, but mm-hmm. like this, this is a guy, you know, you get him for that vet man, comes off the bench. Honestly, he'd probably give you um, minutes every game. Um, but again, he's surrounded by shooters, Tim Hardaway Jr., Maxi Kleba. So just from that perspective, like a facilitator perspective, I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, he cannot shoot. Uh, he gives you defense off the bench. Uh, I like, you know, I don't mind it. I'm not going to I'm not going to be mad or sad if he goes anywhere. Right. Uh, and I'm not going to be so ecstatic, ecstatic that if he does come here. Um, yeah, I'm going to be pretty like indifferent to it, but I'm, I don't hate the move necessarily. No, I wouldn't hate the move at all. Like I, yeah. I'm starting to like it a little bit, but again, he gave you 10 minutes on a contending Phoenix team. Uh, again, he took a huge reduced role, but still, like, yeah, this team. You can kind of look at it the same way uh, as that contending the playoff line. We just need mm-hmm. like one piece. Yeah. All right. So real quickly, um, and also, um, you know, the only buyout candidate that we were going to get into is going to be Westbrook. I don't really think it – I think he kind of speaks for himself. If you watch the NBA, you you know about Russell Westbrook. Um, I, I really don't want to get too much into this, but um, you guys can debate us in the Twitter DMs if you want to. But I don't know what your thoughts on this, but if Westbrook gets bought out by the Lakers, would you would you want him on the Mavericks at, um, on the veteran minimum? He, yes and no. Like he's – if he could put his ego aside and buy in. Yeah, and accept yes. the role. But it's just, I don't no, see that. Happening. There's no, yeah, there's no guarantee that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I just don't know. It's, it's a little just too much drama for me. So, yeah, I'm, I'm out on that. Um, besides that, I'm just going to name you some guys and you're just going to give me a yes or no answer. If you feel like elaborating, feel free to, but we're just going to try to run through this really quick. These are just, um, would, would you, you know, and I'm sure a lot of these guys, I don't think you would put above, the guys we've already mentioned. Um, I certainly wouldn't, but, you know, if you would, just um, 
And if you like would put them above some of the guys, then definitely feel free to elaborate. But okay. you know, just simple yes or no answer. Okay. Uh Rajon Rondo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. No, I, I just no, I can't do that. No, yeah, you can't. <laughs> I just um, can't do that. Okay. I was uh, not expecting his name. Yeah, <laughs> no, he is a free agent. DJ Augustine. Yeah. I yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Carson Edwards. No, no. You just think he's too much of a black hole on defense at his little frame. I I just really haven't seen enough. I'd rather have one of the guys. Over yeah, he hasn't really popped off scoring wise like you'd like him to for only being like five eleven. Um, Isaiah Thomas, bring him back after his one game stint. Yes, he needs more. I, I loved it. No, I'm just fine. Uh, no, honestly, no. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be I'd be intrigued because of the name, and I think it'd be a really fun like interview and stuff for the media. But I don't know, <laughs> like that's some that's some 2014-15 Maverick stuff right there. Yeah. Um, Chris Chioza. No, I, I. Yeah, no, no. Mike James, uh, he played overseas this year, but he's with the Nets before that. Uh, like honestly, like I would say yes. Uh, I wouldn't mind him, but I wouldn't take no. him over any of the guys we've listed. Yeah, no, I agree. He's a real score first guard. He's a smaller dude, doesn't really provide much defense, but you know, he's a flashy kind of street ball type dude. And I'd be interested to see if he could be a spark club off, uh, spark plug off the bench. Okay. Um, lastly, this guy was highly coveted out of college, um, but only played like 13 games with the Hawks last year. Really. Didn't get a chance to do much of anything, but he's a restricted free agent right now for whatever reason. I think it's because he was on such a short deal. 48 pick in the 2021 draft, but Sharif Cooper. Um, this is a guy who was kind of like hampered by some injuries and things of that nature and at Auburn. Um, I don't know too much on this dude, but I know he was like really cold coming out of high school. Um would you be down to take a chance on him with the 15 spot? He's only 21. I would be down to take it on a two-way, but not that 15 spot. But I, I, I do wait. like I, I would I would not mind that pick, honestly. No, me neither. And with that, that's gonna wrap up today's pod. We hope you guys enjoyed us profiling point guards the Mavs could get um in free agency up until this point. Um, and yeah, we still don't have an outro, but we're still going strong. Yes, we will sir. see you guys later. Peace.